All right, welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the legend Teddy Atlas. And today's special guest is the new UFC pay-per-view king, Jorge Masvidal. Jorge, welcome to the show. Hey, brothers, doing man? How my brothers doing? Good. Good to have you with us. Hey, guys, before we jump into things with Jorge, we just want to give a quick shout out to Teddy's new boxing training program offered online through BJJ Fanatics, dynamicstriking.com. Teddy provides a breakdown on the fundamentals of boxing. Use the promo code TEDDY20 to get 20% off this program and anything else on the site. Congratulations, man. Awesome performance. I know it wasn't the result you were looking for, but on six days notice to give the champ five hard rounds, well done. Like I said, I know it's not what you expected, but we were all proud of you on this end. Thank you, man. Um, it was definitely an opportunity, and it was it was going to be a journey just to, to have to make the weight, to travel, all these things, you know. So um, obviously, I'm not happy with the result, but I the journey, I'm I'm so happy that I got to do it. You know, the whole experience going to Dubai, everything was was, uh, and especially with the Corona stuff, you know, everywhere we're landing, it's weird. Everybody's uh, keeping their social distancing. It was a very weird time to be even traveling. So. The, the whole experience, I think, was something that truly was once-in-a-lifetime experience, and there was no way I could have passed up on it. I, I didn't like the shape, obviously, that I was in, but the experience was so memorable. I remember this for the rest of my life, you know, this this um, this um whole experience. You earned the right to take care of your family, and congratulations on that. Thank you, Ted. Um, really, really from my heart. And um, you will, I believe that, it's still your destiny to win a world title. I believe that sometimes you have to be tested to see if you deserve that destiny. And I think that in my way of looking at things, your destiny in this time was to take care of your family, to get an opportunity after all these fights, after all the hard work, after doing it the right way, after earning it, to get a chance to fight for the title but when you got the chance the powers that be whatever you believe in said okay he got this chance of destiny to do something that everyone wants to do take care of their family now to do the rest of it to take care of his soul for the rest of his life we have to see how he behaves here and if he behaves here properly then he will get an opportunity to fight for the title and fulfill that destiny that's how i feel well, that hey that was man ouch i need to have you in my corner teddy i'm gonna <laughs> whip the checkbook out teddy how much is it gonna cost let's be frank <laughs> no it's we're not we're, we're talking right now you know, people, and we're talking things that I know it's easy to say, ah, it's more important than money, but we're talking about things that can't be influenced by money. It, it has to be something that you feel, something that is is important because you feel that it's important because it it affects people, you know, in a way, like I said before, that's when people talk about immortality to me of course that's something that there's there's no nothing we can go to a fountain to get that but 
there is a form of immortality and that's it. And you can't buy that. You can't pay for that. The, the immortality that people remember you. They remember you because you affect their life. You re, they remember you because maybe you made somebody else think that they could do something that they never dreamed they could do. You made somebody else maybe have hope when they had given up hope. And that, to me, that's immortality. That, that is a, a blessing, a gift. And um, when you get a chance to win a world title, you go into a place where now you can affect people beyond yourself. And, you know, I think that was the test for you to think of all these things. You just said something at the opening. You said this experience. Well, that invokes a lot of things. That involves a lot of things, that experience. And I think that when you get another chance, which you will, you're going to have to earn it. You're going to have to win a couple fights. But you will fight for the title again. If you are what I think you are, you will fight for the title again. You will. Not that and then all that experience that you went through, it, it will... It will take you somewhere. It will take you where, how can I impact other people other than myself? I already took care of my family. How now can I impact other people? How can I do things that will last forever? How can I be larger than myself? And I think that will be all. And that's, that's what the gods, and I'm just, you know, saying it in a, in a wordy way. I don't mean the gods. I'm just saying that's, that's what it's meant to be. That's what it's meant to be. For you to search out what is the meaning to this. And this will give you a chance to search that out. Yes, sir. And to know that the next time you get in that ring for the world title. You have Atlanta now. I sent you a text and you told me that your number was changed. So you never got it. But the text that I sent you after the fight was, you have Atlanta now that will shine light on the places that you never had a chance to have lit for you before. It will shine light on those places the next time you go there. Use that lantern. Amen. I sure will, man. I know you will. And you look good. You look good. Tell us about, uh, no, you do. You look good. I, I see a little mark on your forehead there. Uh, what? what yeah. one here. This one was the, the headbutt, and this one I think was from a puncher elbow. I'm not sure. And I got one in my chin from a little headbutt as well. This one wasn't that bad, though. Not much. More importantly, can I see your feet after he stomped the crap out of them for three rounds, five rounds? <laughs> 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 Didn't affect the dance moves, that, I can see. No, no. Been bike riding, lifting some weights, you know. Um, those, those really don't hurt, you know. It, it's uh, it's not uh, not something that's effective, I think, for as far as um, for scoring or, or for damage. I don't really think it's too effective, you know. But it's something. They didn't hurt at the time. It looks like it hurts. Nah, they, they, you got a lot of adrenaline pumping at that time, so it definitely gotcha. hurt, you know. Hey, you know what? Since you brought that up, um, go ahead. Chuck that Cuban coffee down because that's rocker fuel, brother. I, I, remember <laughs> I, was, I remember I was at the Olympics doing the Olympics. Uh, I did four Olympics for NBC. And I'm trying to remember which one it was. I'm not sure. It might have been in um, Athens. 
but they had the great Cuban team there and they stayed by themselves. They were like, they isolated themselves. And, but they were special. Like everyone looked at them <laughs> when they, when they, when they stayed by themselves, everyone's eyeballs were on them because they were the greatest amateur team there was. And I remember watching them and they'd all, all the coaches and a few of the guys would get together. And I remember one day it was a nice feeling. So they sent someone over to me because again, they stayed isolated. They sent someone over to me, Teddy, would you like to join us with a little Cuban coffee? <laughs> and I said, listen, I appreciate that. That means a lot. But if I drink that right now, I'm about to go on the air. Nobody's going to understand what the hell I'm saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be too fast. I'm going to be faster than I need to be. Right now, I need to slow it down and control it. And one of the guys drinking the coffee that smiled was the great Teofilio Stevenson, the three, three-time gold medalist. That that's a that doesn't happen that's too often. It, it's crazy. I would have loved to see even at exhibition, just him and Ali. That if that actually would have happened, that would have been. Yeah, that was something all gay that they all talked about. Like, you know what what that would have been. You know, of course he was in a he was in a country he was where he wasn't allowed to to fight, I'm and just, you know, so so that wasn't it wasn't to be. Uh, speaking of adrenaline, it just it just made me think of this. Were you affected by no crowd? I know the last time you fought was in Madison Square Garden. Oh, you know, I mean, you talk about a contrast. You talk about the opposite. Oh, man. Now it's an experience. It's, yeah, it's, so tell me. Go ahead. Tell us. Tell, did, it, did it take anything away from you? Like, when that moment comes and you need that shot of adrenaline, uh, was it missing because the crowd wasn't there a little bit? Uh, talk to me. Um, that definitely feels different to fight with the crowd than without a crowd. Uh, I got blessed in my career that I got to fight all over the world before I came to the UFC. So in Japan, it was like dead silence until there was an action or a move. And it was like the coolest thing. But during the action, I could hear my corner perfectly. I could hear their corner. So this wasn't the first time that I, that I experienced something like this. So Japan was amazing because you, you throw somebody or hit them with a nice move and you hear that, ooh, or that, ah. And it was so coordinated, you know, it, it felt like, uh, like if somebody was holding up a sign and they told them what to do, every time I fought, it was like that. I got to compete there five times, so I love that. Um, I also got to do some fights where the tapes were delayed, so there was no audience. It was just crew members and, like, a couple of special invites, like maybe the president of the company and his best friends or whatever. That company was Bodog. So I knew what I was going to get into right away. Um, definitely the crowd, I, I enjoy the crowd, whether they're booing or they're cheering. It, it's 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 uh, It's uplifting, you know. It definitely helps keeps you motivated. If they're against you, you want to prove them wrong. If they're with you, kind of like, you know, gives you a little stride to it. So it kind of felt like a, like a really good sparring session, which you don't want to lose. You know, your coach is there and you never want to lose in front of your coach. I'm the type of guy that when my coach is watching and he's telling me to do something, I'm going to get it done, you know. So it, uh, it, it hurts in that sense even more because I could hear some of the things and my legs just weren't responding. So it bothered me. I, got, I gained a little bit of trauma and, and from it, but good trauma to motivate me trauma. Speaking of your coach, Mike Brown wasn't there, and you guys, I think you guys, were, he was FaceTiming with Abe. Can you talk a little bit about that and the challenges that that presented and how it worked or how it didn't work, What pros and cons? It was definitely rough, but these guys are geniuses. Mike was giving Abe great instructions, and, and Abe, um, he's not a coach, right? Like He's not in the gym all the time, but he does know what I do well. He sees me quite often, and and he's a guy that remains like amazingly calm. 
in the corner. For the little bit of experience that he has with all the guys that I've coached, that, that have coached me and worked with me, uh, Mike Brown will tell you, my, my coach Paulino will tell you, anybody will tell you that's worked the corner with him. He can just remain so calm. So he was able to give the, the advice to me that Mike Brown was, was uh, giving perfectly. It, it Obviously, it's not the same as having Mike Brown there, but it was as close as you possibly could, you know? Okay, going Brown into this fight, going into this fight for me, breaking it down, looking at it as a trainer, the most, I mean, it's pretty obvious, but I always talk about fighting being about geography. Who gets the best geography to use their abilities to the better? Yeah. Who gets the best geography? The geography, obviously, going into that fight for me was you needed to be able to own the outside. And he needed to be close. Yeah. And for me, the most important, if I broke it down very, very definitive, the most important thing that you needed was legs because to keep separation. I know it's about striking. Nobody's got to tell me. And, and you're, you're a tremendous striker. And by the way, you landed some good right hands. I started thinking for a second, oh, 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 this is Zaire. This is Muhammad Ali. This is George Foreman. He got a little space and he landed that right. And I started getting a little excited. Like, you know, like, whoa, he's gonna, he's gonna pull it off. He's gonna have a spot and he knows what he's doing. But getting back to what I'm saying, for me, the most important asset for you was your legs in this fight. Yeah, you got to move your hands, but you can't move your hands if you don't have the proper geography, if you don't have the proper yes, space. Yeah. yeah. So for me, it was about that. I know for my 45 years in this business that when you cut weight like that, the thing that gets affected the most is the legs. Yeah. And um. I'm making no excuses for you. You're a man. You took the fight. You signed a contract. And when you sign a contract, baby, you better be ready to go do what you got to do, baby. Yeah, I'm ready to give it and I'm ready to take it. Exactly. And that's what I respect. Yeah. And that's, but, but reality is reality. We're talking reality here. We're talking honestly. How much were your legs affected? Definitely were affected, um, but I'm not going to rely on that. Man. I don't even want to. It, you know, what I'm going to do is uh. When you look for them, when you look for them, were they were they you know were they hiding on you a little bit? I I didn't feel I had power. This one thing, and and going into this fight, I knew I had to fight um the the type. I'll explain kind of the type of shape that I was in going into this fight. Yeah, I couldn't run a mile at my usual pace let's say but i could sprint decent you know i had a good 400 a good 800 yard dash in there, you know but i had to take spaces in between those and he was very good and not letting me get those little breaths that would allow me to explode again so he was running like a good mile as i was running sprints in that mile you know, as i was getting off the cage and stuff that was costing a little bit of energy i'd maybe land a couple shots he'd get right back into his space where i needed to again do a sprint to get off that cage i wasn't uh my 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 recuperation time wasn't there how it usually is. So it's something that we're immediately going to address for, for the next one. You know, I'll make sure that, you know, usually when I compete, I cut around seven to nine pounds the week of a fight, you know. So the, it, it won't be an issue. It hasn't ever been an issue at 170 pounds my weight. So it won't be an issue when, when the rematch takes place. Did, did he did he close the gaps faster than you thought he would? Yes and no. Um, 
there, there were some things that were that, that he took me by surprise. Uh, his his squeeze, you know how he's this. So he's not an explosive guy, but he does have good strength, you know. Like he could, he has good bearing strength where he could keep the same amount of strength throughout the whole time. <clears throat> Explosiveness, he wasn't the most explosive guy I felt, but he was one of the more impressive guys I felt in just a good squeeze where he doesn't fade. His grip strength is, is good too. He has good physical conditioning and he was able to keep the weight on me as well on the fence, you know, and, and do it with, with technique. So where he was using his strength and his technique to put me up against the cage. So, you know, I give him that. And that period, he did, uh, he did surprise me more than I thought. And I knew that he'd be good at the server because he's shown it throughout his career, you know. He's maybe yeah, a little bit better than I anticipated there. Okay, let me ask you. When Ali fought, I'm, I'm not getting off of that. I'm sorry. I'm making you Ali right now. But when Ali fought uh, Foreman, he, he didn't, just like a guy who cut weight, a guy who didn't have a full camp like you, you don't know exactly what you're going to be until you get in there. Am I correct? Yeah. Okay. Ali got in there in Zaire, and he didn't know exactly what he was going to, at that stage in his life, almost like a guy not in top shape. He was compromised because of his age. You were compromised because of the lack of time to train, prepare. A little similarities. He got in there. And like special people do, he, he made it up as he went. And he realized that I cannot use my legs and move all night for 15 rounds with this guy coming at me. I'm not going to be able to do it. And the issue had to be a factor. Yeah. So he invented something called the rope dope he 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 did. He, he didn't go in there saying, I'm going to do the rope. He just realized that instinctually, innately, he understood that if I stay in close and let him burn out, I can rest. It sounds crazy because the guy's throwing at you, but I can rest. I'm not burning up as much fuel as I would have to on the perimeter to keep him off me and to be able to be effective. So he created this thing called the rope dope and later on got a chance to have spurts. I was thinking, did you do a little rope cage? Um, I would try to explode. Once, when he was just holding me and I could feel his strength there, and I'm like, it's going to expend me a lot of energy to get out of here, and then I'm not going to have much in the strike department. I'll just let him kind of fade, and then I'll explode, and then I'll try to get my strikes in. So at times I would try to do that and um, try to conserve my energy like that so I could have my energy to, to try to elbow him in the nose or knee him in the ribs, you know, because obviously I'm, I'm, I'm not – my energy where I'm trying to spend in my real estate is, in, is hurting me. I don't want to pepper him up with shots. I want to actually hurt this guy because that's how I feel I win fights. So my energy was trying to be spent, you know, trying to break a bone or two. Yeah, I, I figured that you were looking, for me, you were and looking to... The thing I want to say about the Ali is that how crazy is it, though, to have that strategy against George Foreman, though, because at the time was the heaviest hitter possibly of, of life, correct? It yeah. was, I don't know, at the same time, that it sounds like a great strategy when you think about it. Against George Foreman, no, pick another guy better to test it out. And it's just, right. it speaks to his courage and his commitment to a fight, man. And th those are the guys that why we admire him because that's just sheer, that's a commitment that I, I don't think many other humans could have, you know? And it's partly this. He understood that he could drain him physically, which, you know, he did, but mentally, that he could yeah. make him feel like he was having no impact, like he had no choice. 
you always have a choice. But he actually made it feel to George like, tonight, it's not in my control. It's in his control. He was able to make him do that, to drain him mentally, to deteriorate him mentally. And a, and a guy that had never been deteriorated, a guy that seemed truly unstoppable, you know? Yes. The, what he was doing, what he did, what he had just done to Joe Frazier. I mean, how was he not in Ali's head? You would think a lot. And it was, that's a steel trap, man, that he had up there. Because when, when I've seen the whole history and the documentaries on it, I'm like, Ali could have easily gone in there so defeated, you know, and quite the opposite. He was the only one who believed. Yeah. He turned to his corner. He turned to his people and he said, what do you guys look, you think you're going to a funeral? What, what, what is wrong with you guys? I'm winning this fight. I'm winning this fight. I know what I'm doing. I know why I'm here. I know what's going to happen because I'm not going to let anything else happen. Mad man. Love it. I love it. Though, see, that when you said immortality, that's I'll remember that. It doesn't matter what happens. What always remember that. But, okay, that's exactly it. That's immortality. When people step out of sight themselves, and do something that other people can't do or can't imagine being done. That's immortality, baby. That's it. So realm of Ali, though, is something. So, man, that's just that's the a class all of its own. I just saw you in spots where I said to myself, he's doing a little rope cage, and because even though he's in the wrong geography, and you are because that's his, that's his territory, that's his neighborhood, you know, with the wrestling and everything else and the physical strength, and he's terrific. He's, and by the way, he's a terrific guy. He's, in, he's like you. He's, he's, got a, he's got a personality and a manhood to him that does nothing but serve this business and serve your sport outside as well as inside the ring, both of you. So you both should be... I think congratulated on that because uh, that's, that's special and that's important. But when I saw you on the inside, I said, look, he's in the wrong place. He knows where he is and he's going to, but if he goes outside too soon, then he's going to have to use too much energy to stay out there. So he's going to be inside in the wrong place, be able to, you know, figure out the spots where he can get back outside. And then, when he gets back outside, explode in spots, in spots, because that's what it had to be, because you didn't have to, the gas tank to do it consistently. And I thought that's what you wanted to do. And I thought, to your point, every once in a while, it looked like he had a better grip on you than maybe you thought, and you couldn't quite get out when you wanted to get out. That yeah. makes sense? Makes a lot of sense. Uh, that's, that's a good way to looking at it. Um, there, was, there was times where I thought I was going to get out and it just kind of like pressed me there or changed up his level and, and got into a single leg and I defended that and then we ended up back in the cage. You know, so it's just, um, it's just a, a, several adjustments I got to do on the technical side. And obviously I got to have the, the gas tank to back those decisions up because it's, it's going to take gas, you know, and, and you have to be in physically good shape to, to wrestle, to have a man that knows how to wrestle and has all his weight leaning on you. You gotta be in good shape, you know. And I've never had a problem before in cardio in a fight, so I'm not I'm not worried about it for the rematch at all. Hey, okay, you've been sneaking around a little bit when nobody's been looking. 
you've been working on those wrestling skills because because I saw I'm no expert on this thing, but I know fighting and I know what something's good and something's bad and something's different. You were able to do two things that I think surprised him, him and other people. One, stay on your feet. Two, when you did get taken to the floor, get back up. Yeah. To, to me, go ahead. Yeah, definitely. Um, I love wrestling. As much as I love uh, striking, I love wrestling. Um, it was always a dream of mine, like growing up, like one of the things that I thought I could do. And then there was this thing in, called GPA that didn't allow me to do it, but I wanted to wrestle in college. I, I wanted to try to go as far as I could in wrestling and bring that into my fighting. So I love wrestling equally, like striking. I'm a huge fan of it. I keep up a lot with collegiate sports. So I like to wrestle, whether it be a pastime or not, you know, I, I just love wrestling. So I invest a lot of time into it. A lot of guys like wrestling, but they're not good at it. You, were, you were, <laughs> and, and when they're in there with a guy of his level, all joking aside, I mean, that's that's his forte, or one of them anyway, uh, to be able to handle yourself again, to stay on your feet, to get off the floor, to get back up. I, I, was, I was impressed. I said, this guy's been doing uh, some extra work on his wrestling stuff. Thank you, sir. Um, it didn't come easy, man. I, I had to work for it. There, there's a lot of things that I got naturally in, in striking, more like a good sense of awareness, a radar, and hand speed. I... I I, I was blessed with that, I could say, since the moment I walked into the gym and the coaches could see it like, oh, you have gifts in these departments, you know, power, I had to work for it and endurance and, and things like that. I had to work for it more. But um, in wrestling, I also had advantages, you know, where I had like decent hips since like the first day I started and I kept expanding on some of those things. And there was things that I was just horrible at. Like I wasn't the strongest guy on the mat and I knew it. So I, I worked a lot on, on getting my strength level up. And I think it showed a lot on, on Saturday. Hey Jorge, I, I don't know if I don't know if you got a chance to hear our interview with Dustin Poirier last week, but one of the things he told us is this guy, you know, referring to you, he said, this guy isn't just getting off the couch. He was my main sparring partner. He had wrestlers in there with him. And uh, he literally moved the line from like plus 265 down to like at one point plus 170 on you. I think a lot of people were listening. But maybe talk about the difference when you're just staying busy versus when you know you have a fight, the kind of difference in mindset, mentality, preparation, etc. Okay, so um, once it was like maybe five, five to six weeks out, I think we found out that they were going to go with Gilbert already or the negotiations weren't going away. So it wasn't official that it was Gilbert, but negotiations weren't going away. Then it was official that it was Gilbert, but we had known already for some time. Um, I didn't want to get burnt out. I wanted to, to see who's going to win this fight. So I was still training. I was helping out friends of mine like Dustin and things like that. But I wasn't in the gym all day, every day. I was doing other things. I was running on the beach a lot. I was taking advantage of beaches that have been opened up. So I was running in the sand. I was lifting heavy weights. I was in a different phase than a preparational phase, a specific phase for fighting. So I was doing a lot of general conditioning. I was in the gym about three times a week helping out my teammates. And then the rest of my sessions, so I put in about, I don't know, uh, 14, 15 hours in a week. And then I switch it up, you know, sometimes a little less. If I'm closer to a fight, I'm just doing specific. Sometimes if I'm doing more general condition, I'm doing more. So I was having longer conditioning sessions, I would say, like maybe running longer distance instead of doing a lot of sprints now. So that's uh, that's kind of what was going on there, you know. And um, I wasn't in, in like, when I'm closer to a fight, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot more on the mat. It's a lot more specific, a lot more geared for what's about to happen in short bursts, you know, five minute goes, five of them, and that's it. That might be a workout for that day. And we kept it intense. And after that, I do some pads, 
I'll do a lot of rehab after that, and then maybe just a technique session going over the stuff that we're going to do at the fight, the specific stuff. Um, I wasn't in that phase now, obviously. You know, and in six days, I did as much as I could to emulate that phase and, and do what we've always done, or what what bit of what a, the procedure would have been six days away, minus the the weight. And it was just like I said earlier at the beginning, it was a journey because the whole quarantine thing, the corona was. I was quarantined in Vegas. We and and the, I'm not making excuses for me because this was all of us. This was every single fighter. Usman, from me and Usman to everybody in the card, it was just such an interesting, weird dynamic for us. We we had to everybody had to lose weight in their hotel room. Everybody was quarantined from Vegas to Dubai. We were quarantined like two or three days in the hotel room, you know. And then after that, it's it's you're in a in a in a weird space though because you're not really allowed to go many places. It's crazy. It was madness, but it was an experience that that's for life with me. That was a, a huge journey that I just took. There. That just gives me more. I'm the type of guy that uh that that gives me fire to my engines, you know. Knowing that I pulled through all that, knowing exactly what I did, it just gives me more motivation to do something a little bit bigger and better next time. With all the things that were compromised, you know, because of the short notice, uh, obviously the one that everybody will look at is having your weight higher than it normally would be. Like you said, a week off, maybe it's six, seven, eight pounds, which is nothing, you know, for to cut that weight. Uh, and this time, of course, it was a lot more. So everybody will look at that, of course, the lack of proper conditioning, proper training. But also, normally you would be able to get out there such a faraway place yeah. earlier to acclimate. You know, that's a long trip. That takes a lot out of you. That can take two, three days out of you right there. You didn't have time to spare. You had six days. How much did just the traveling uh, impact you on short notice? Definitely travel impacted me and, and, and everybody on that card because we all more or less had the same time frame. We all flew around the same. I, I don't know if everybody got in at the exact same time, but I knew a big bulk of it. They got in right around the same time as me, like uh, like five, four days out. And what was also interesting is that we had to have the time for America. So a lot of these fights, these guys were fighting at 6 a.m. I fought, I think, at around 8 a.m., something like this. So some of these guys are fighting at 4 a.m. That's crazy, you know? So we're getting a time switch over there when we land, right? Because it's obviously a different time than over here. And then you have to gear yourself to go and be at your most awake and alert time at 4 a.m. So it, not just for me, but everybody on this card, I think, did. People don't know how amazing they did. And I don't know if a lot of these people want to say it or not, but I, I want to just give a, a round of applause to everybody who's in the card, win or lose. It wasn't an easy feat to get adjusted. And a lot of other fighters commentating this and that. Um, from the sidelines and not knowing what these guys went through need to shut their mouth because <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about. You know, it was, I, 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 uh, I commend everybody. I got over 50 pro fights. I find places like South Korea, Japan. A lot of these guys, it was their first time fighting overseas. And then under these weird circumstances, it's just a round of applause. And, and I take my hat off to a lot of the young ones that, that uh, it's very impressive, you know? Did they, did they adjust their training time? You know, you just talked about it. Did they, the last five days over there, six days, whatever it was, did they adjust, at that point, you're just shaking out. You're, obviously, you're not doing any significant training. The, the hard work's been done. You're doing technical stuff, loosening up and all that stuff. But did they try to adjust that time to four, five in the morning, maybe, to get used to, you know, what time they were going to actually fight at? Um, I... I I don't know everybody how they did their thing, but I, I would assume so. So we tried to emulate that at eight in the morning, be awake. So mm -hmm. when we got there, it was a little weird. We we got there at like 
Actually, got it right the last. Yeah, the last that we we got it okay. The first day, and then you know it, it was rough. So we were trying to be at our most awake from like six a.m. to nine a.m. You know, yeah. We had to adjust with with the time that when we got in there as well. So it was a little tough, but everybody I think had a hard time with that. And then we're we're quarantined in the room, so that was interesting too. You know, so the rooms were smelling like a gym and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, you don't want you. Your roommate wouldn't like it so much. You have to better yeah. have your own room. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Everybody was uh was having to put up with the with the gym smells, you know. Yeah, nobody was hanging out in your room if they didn't have to. No. You know? <laughs> Going back to to the thing I was talking about, making the analogy, um, we talked about with Zaire, and you you jumped on it about how incredible it was that Ali went into his geography inside. And you know, use that to break them down. I mean, that's that's what he did. And then he finished them on the outside, where he could, of course, be at his best. When he was, when Foreman was inside with Ali, the one thing he was doing, he was wide. He was like ah ah ah, all wide punches, and he got a little out of control with himself, where he he overdid it. With these white and Ali wanted that. Ali invited him in. Come on, come on, pound on me, George. Come on, yeah, come on, George. Come on, there it is. And took him to the body when George Foreman was known to break ribs. It, it's yeah. just something where I just go like, "What is this guy made out of?" You know, like how how much of a trance does he put himself in? Because we saw him. I don't know. We we saw this guy jackhammer his ribs for I don't know how many rounds. Just. <laughs> But he knew, he knew, Ali knew that he, Foreman had a little bit of a bully mentality. And when you stand up to the bully, he doesn't know what to do. This never happened before. Nobody ever stood up to a bully. I, I don't know. And then they get lost. They get something called doubt starts to creep in there. And when that creeps in, there's room for other things to be pushed in there. And Ali pushed those other things in there when he got that crack. When he got that crack. So I'm thinking when he's in there with you, Al, Ali had Foreman throwing these wide shots where he expended too much energy and it wasn't efficient because a lot of it was being blocked. But your guy, Uzman, to his credit, he was going downstairs to your body. He was throwing little short shots to your body. Did that, did that take a lot out of you? Here we go. Yeah. Yeah, nah. <laughs> <Nah. laughs> the, the, he couldn't get his body behind him. They were just arm punches, and it you know in boxing you have to be in great physical conditioning to take body shots, and that's yeah. I think like a year round thing, you know. Yeah, uh, I, I pride myself that I've never been dropped from a body shot in sparring or in a fight, but in in MMA when it's Muay Thai, especially Muay Thai, and there's knees and chains involved, the conditioning that we have for the body is even at a higher level because one knee can destroy you. So. Just the conditioning that I do along, even if I'm not fighting, my, my coach will give me numerous kicks here just to keep me in yeah. this condition, you know, because it goes away. It's like a callus, you know. I so, thought it was smart on his part to go downstairs to your body, you know, to make sure we always say, I always say, you want to take someone's legs away, take the air out of the tires, yeah. go downstairs, you know, bag him in the body so he can't use those legs later. And I thought it was smart on his part, you know, going there, also smart because he knew you didn't have a full training camp, you know, yeah. where your he, body... Like you said, he, was, he found his best real estate and he stuck to it, you know? Yeah.
Hey, Jorge, I want to be sensitive to your time. I know you're like the in high demand here today and uh, your team's giving us a one or two minute signal. So before we let you go, I want to be I want to be respectful of the time you've given us. Before we let you go, who do you want next? Um, we're going to work on it. We're going to we're going to talk to the company. I obviously want Usman next. That's that's the only I'm a madman. I just want Usman. I'm, my, my sights are set on him. I want the immediate rematch, of course, and I'm going to campaign for myself, you know? I'm going to yeah. campaign for us to do it, you know? Uh, put the pressure with Dana. We're going to have a meeting hopefully soon, and, and that's what I'm going to campaign for. But whatever it takes to get the belt is what will be done there. I'm going to have to text you when we get off and get the name of your uh, hair braided because I know my Ethiopian daughter is going to want to know who did those tight braids. Thank you. Um, I'm going to tell you the name right now because she's on Instagram and she travels. Soraya. Soraya. Oh. I, I'm going to send it to you, though. I should have said All right. it now. No problem. Listen, Teddy, you got anything else before we say goodbye to Jorge? No, just go use this as the first step. This is not the end of the journey. No, no. This is the beginning. Yes, sir and use this for what it was meant to be used for to to give you a lantern of light for the next part of the journey yes sir it's uh it's jet fuel similar to this but a little bit more potent what, what it's doing you know um i worked out yesterday i worked out today i'm gonna work out later on again and i'm just gonna keep improving getting better there's several adjustments i have to make and i'm gonna go and make them you know whoever the opponent be i'm just gonna be that much better by the time that fight comes around. And one of these fights, you'll get an opportunity because I believe you're the kind of guy, I believe Usman is a special guy too, I should say that. But I believe your styles make fights. And um, I believe that your style went at 100% to be able to do the things with your legs and have gaps and distance to move your hands can fit into that style pretty good. And I think that you create things. You're, I've said it before to you. You're one of those guys who walks to your own drummer where you're, you do something that is not conventional. You know, uh, a great compliment would be, I would talk about Louis Armstrong. I love Louis Armstrong, the, the great trumpet player, and he would make up his own tunes. It wasn't on a sheet. It, was, it, wasn't on a, it wasn't on a music sheet. And he'd feel it, and he would just kind of make up his own tunes. And I see that in you, that you're the kind of guy that can make up your own tunes. And you just didn't have the opportunity to have the music to do that the last time. And listen, you did what you had to do. You got, you got there, you you behaved like a person you're supposed to behave like. That's something you can always control. You can't control the physical part all the time, but you can control this and this. Yes, and sir. to your credit, you controlled that. And I'm looking one of these fights for you to go in there and knock on the front door and go on the side. That's all. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah I, I promise you that. Someone's going to get you know um, hit with that one, and, and they're going to need to carry him out of the ring, so I make a statement. Hey guys, before we wrap things up, just a reminder, please check out BJJFanaticsDynamicStriking.com. 
Teddy provides a breakdown of all the fundamentals of boxing. Again, use the promo code TEDDY20 to get 20% off this program and anything else on the site. Hope you enjoy. Thanks for being with us. Well, Jorge, thank you so much for doing this. Please say thanks to Abe and the rest of your team for helping us coordinate that. Really appreciated it, and I uh, look forward to speaking to you again when you have the belt. Sir, yes, sir. Thank you guys for All right, Bye. guys. Thank you. Okay. Hey, Teddy. Pleasure always, my brother. Pleasure here. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, fellas. Thank you. Thank you.